what I want to do is in a sense not so much tell you how to do this, but persuade you of the need for this, of something bigger than just a gospel-centered, healthy church. That's good, and we need more of that. We need many more of that. But that's the point. We need so much more of that than any one of us can do on our own. And so that's my hope, is that I can persuade you of this, that we need not just healthy churches in these cities, but we need movements of the gospel. We need networks in these cities that would actually um, work together to see uh, the gospel proclaimed to our cities. So a little bit of context. Um, and I, I might have showed this last year. I can't recall. This is the way, this is the, the, way um, uh, the world looks according to Will and Donald Trump and um, Americans more generally. Uh, they think Af Africa is a small little place somewhere at the bottom. Uh, that's not actually true. This is uh, the reality. Um, sorry if my, uh, this thing is going to, there we go. This is the reality. All of the U.S., all of uh, Western Europe, all of Eastern Europe, all of China, all of India, all of the U.K. fits into Africa. We sit on an absolutely enormous, enormous content. But friends, none of us are in the real estate business. Well, maybe you are. Maybe you're in the real estate business. That's not what makes this continent vitally important. The thing that makes it absolutely, critically, vitally important is the number of people that are on our continent. Um, there we go. So that's population projections between now and 2100. By 2100, 40% of the globe's population will be living in Africa, all things being equal. This is United Nations World Bank projections. 20, by 2100, almost 40% of all people on the face of the earth will be living in our continent. If you are in the business of souls, if you're in the business of people, there is no better place on earth to be than right where we are at the moment. And, and it, that's not just true for the continent more generally. That's especially true for you if you're Nigerian. Um, Lagos is projected, sorry, this is... Um, there we go. Lagos is projected to be 88 million people by 2100. So at the moment, none of the biggest cities in the world are in Africa. By 2100, five of the eight biggest cities will all be on our continent. So there is, there is waiting to happen an enormous population explosion on our continent, unlike anything that the world has ever seen. Okay. And so if we think of what we do as pastors, if we think of the kind of churches that we're looking to plant, one of the things we need to be, I think, disturbed by are those numbers. We need to ask ourselves, what are we doing about that? We need to ask ourselves, are we ready to actually evangelize a city of 88 million people? You might not be able to do something about the traffic in that kind of a city. But friends, we sit with something much more precious than an infrastructure solution. We sit with something that is that can turn this from a disaster into the greatest opportunity, kingdom opportunity, humanity has ever seen. And uh, I want to I go to this verse. Here's why I'm saying we have an, an amazing opportunity. That is, humanly speaking, 88 million people in this city is, humanly speaking, only a disaster. But friends, we sit with the power of the Most High. We sit with God Almighty's power in our hands. Where's that power? That power is in the gospel. And that gospel is the power for salvation. Now, if you read Romans, the way salvation is used in Romans is not just saving people from earth into heaven. 
Salvation, the way it's used in Romans, also talks about justification and sanctification and ultimate glorification. It talks about the change of people that is needed. And friends, you and I sit with something in us that can lead to this kind of transformation of a city because it changes people's hearts. The new birth that Femi spoke about, it changes people individually, one by one. But then it's got this ability to change corporately a group of people in a church and, as a result, a city as a whole. And friends, so we sit, we as God's people sit with this thing that He's given us, the gospel, that has got the power to actually change Lagos and Johannesburg and Nairobi and change our continent as a whole. And so just read with me this quote from Keller. He says, The gospel only does its renewing work in us as we understand it in all its truth. But all of us, to some degree, live around the truth of the gospel, but we do not get it. And so the key, and friend, this is what we want. We desire revival. I'm sure you do. I do for my city and for our continent. We desire to see revival. The key to continual deeper and spiritual renewal and revival is the continual rediscovery of the gospel. A stage of renewal is always a stage of a discovery of a new implication or application of the gospel, seeing more of its truth. And this is true for a city. This is true for individuals, churches, and a continent as a whole. Our continent needs more gospel. Our existing churches need to rediscover the gospel. One of the things we st we're starting to realize is, yes, we need to plant churches, but we also need to re-gospelize existing churches and help them to recover this kind of gospel. Because, th friends, that's where the power of God sits. That's where the power of revival ultimately sits. And so we need the gospel. I'm, I'm, I trust we're persuaded by that. And so... Because we're doing that and the rest of what we're doing, I don't, I'm not going to spend more time there. Um, what I want to show you is that we also need each other. Um, listen to this. Christian leaders can't be satisfied with the status quo. This is a quote from this book. Very helpful. If you can get it, it's called Together for the City. Um, and it says, Christian leaders can't be satisfied with the status quo. Ministers are often called stewards in the Bible. And the master of the house in the peril of the talents assumed that his stewards would not merely keep his assets safe, but also invest in order to increase them. The point isn't about money, but the gospel. And we know what God wants us to do with the gospel. He sends us out into an ever-expanding mission to disciple the nations. And so no church should exist just to keep its doors open. Very important. And maintain things. The master condemned the laziness of the steward who was only happy to maintain things as they were. The parable, and this is critical, friends, the parable, however, cannot merely mean that every congregation should keep growing in numbers. Sometimes, if you start preaching the real gospel, it might empty an unhealthy church. And so one of the implications of this is that churches, leaders, and, and, a, and a whole city or a region can't rest content. We need to be concerned for growth and gospel growth and kingdom growth in our city as a well, whole, even if I don't see it just in my church. They must strive to further the mission of Jesus with the resources they've been given. They must cast vision for reaching this city together. And so that's what I want to tell us. That, that's, that's what I'm looking to, to inspire you, friends, is to have a vision not just for your church, but for your city as a whole and for the growth of the kingdom and churches in your city so that the lost will be reached. We'll come back to that. But remember the number 625. 625 new churches per year for the next 80 years. I'll come back to that number and explain why I, I, I mentioned that. 
But that's the kind of church, the number of churches that we actually need in a city like Lagos if we're conservative. And so we need each other. We need the gospel. We need each other. But friends, we also need a movement, something way bigger than any of us can do. So again, listen to this quote. It is the unified people of God whom the Spirit uses to reach the far ends of the earth with the gospel. In other words, unity is not simply the work of the Spirit, but the very instrument through which the Spirit works. This is why it's vital to maintain the unity of the Spirit. If we're not united, the world writes us off, and perhaps in light of Jesus' high priestly prayer in John 17, they have a right to do so. Jesus says, the world will know you are mine if you're united, if you work together. And so, friends, we need each other if we're going to reach our cities on our continent. We need to collaborate in some way. And so we'll talk more about what that kind of collaboration might look like. But friends, we need something that is way bigger than any of us. And, I've, and, and, and I want to stop here and just ask you whether you are happy with the growth. Even if your church is growing at an incredible rate, are you content with that? If your denomination is reaching and planting churches at an incredible rate, are you happy with that? Friends, it's not enough. It's not enough. What we're doing at the moment is too small. We need a gospel movement, something that isn't one denomination or one church's work, but that is from the Spirit that is way bigger than any of us can do. And so we need a gospel movement. What is a gospel movement? Um, there we go. Marks of a movement. This is Keller in Center Church, which I think Femi might have mentioned. Uh, I, I see it sold out. There's no, none of them left. But Marks of a Movement is a compelling vision. It's, it's a group of people that actually agree on, on what needs to be done. And friends, the, 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 the Great Commission, Jesus gives us a compelling vision. He says, go and make disciples of all nations. And I think the compelling vision then for us becomes in Lagos. Let's reach Lagos with the gospel. A culture of sacrificial commitment is a, is a, is a group of people that actually says it's not about my kingdom. It's about Jesus' kingdom in this city. And I'm willing to sacrifice. I'm willing to sacrifice money. I'm willing to sacrifice people. I'm willing to sacrifice status uh, for the sake of this kingdom. It's a group of people who are generously flexible towards others. The gospel, if we understand it in all its depth, fringe, makes us both humble and generous at the same time. If, if I understand the gospel at its deepest level, I realize it says that I am not good enough in and of myself. And so it makes me truly, truly, truly deeply humble. I know that my church is not the only church that this city needs. And so it makes me really humble, but it also makes me very generous and say that I need others. Even if I slightly disagree with them on some things, I need others in this city. And so I become generous and flexible towards others in the city. And from that, friends, if you see these things coming together, what you have is organic, spontaneous growth. You see something, and, and somebody said, I think it was Matthew that said it yesterday, a living thing grows. And that's what we're looking to see, something that has got an organic growth um, dynamic built into it. And so those are marks of a movement. Here's the challenge. Can we produce a movement? As we're sitting over here as a group of leaders and we say, let's resolve to start a movement for the gospel in Lagos. Can we do it? Um, and the answer is no. There you've seen it. But I want to go back before, uh, before we look at this slide. Um, and just look at what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 6 to 8. He says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters anything, but only God who gives the growth. 
He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. And so see the analogy that he uses. He says, you can do, as a farmer, you can do whatever you want, and you can hire people to help you do a lot of good things. But only God gives the growth. Friends, we can't. We can't start a movement in Lagos. It needs God to start the movement in Lagos, in all of our cities. A movement is a result of two broad sets of factors. A garden flourishes because of the skill and the diligence of the gardener and the condition of the soil and the weather. The first set of factors, gardening, is the way we humanly can contribute. So there is something that we can do. But the second set of factors in a movement is completely, the conditions belong completely to God. He can open individual hearts. He needs to work in people's hearts to the word and in any number he sovereignly chooses. And he can also open a culture to the gospel as a whole. He can change the weather, the spiritual weather, so to speak. And so, friends, we can't start a movement. We can contribute, but ultimately God needs to do something supernatural for a movement of the gospel to actually break out in a city like Lagos. And so here's a formula. Here's, here's what a movement consists of. Movement ultimately is the result, on the one hand, of an ecosystem and of revival. And so remember, we spoke about revival. It takes God and the gospel of God to actually start a revival. Um, but it also takes an ecosystem to see that kind of movement come to fruition. And so what do we mean by ecosystem? We'll look at that in more detail. So I'm not going to spend time on that now. But that is the one thing, friends, that we can do together. We can work towards a gospel ecosystem in our, in our city. Revival, we can't do. That is from God. Interesting, one of the things that is said there about revival is that it's often um, something that God does as people are recatches the gospel but that comes with a citywide level of disorientation. And so maybe this incredible, incredible um, numbers of people that will enter our cities, this explosion that will happen in our cities, will, will just be that disorientation that God uses um, to bring about revival in our cities. And so that's what gives us movement, but we need God to work. What is it that we can do? And friends, let's bring us to a, the point of an ecosystem. Uh, can we produce a gospel ecosystem? Well, question, what is an ecosystem? Um, just as a biological ecosystem is made up of interdependent organisms, systems, and natural forces, a gospel ecosystem is made up of interdependent organizations, individuals, ideas, and spiritual and human forces. When all the elements of the ecosystem combine and are in place and in balance, the entire system produces health and growth as a whole for all the elements themselves. Okay. And so we're talking about a lot of moving parts that start to work together in a certain way. And when they work together in the right way, you see growth. You see something that starts to act like a living organism. And so, friends, a, a way to picture that um, is that we can think about networks. Um, sorry. We can think about networks, and you can have a chain network. So City Church Lagos over here could start, be the start of a chain that continues to plant churches downstream. And that's wonderful, but if you cut off the head, the rest dies. Okay. Or you can have a store or hub network, and so you can have this one thing, and there's lots of good things coming out of that. But none of those things, friends, are actually sustainable in the long run, because they're all very dependent on one thing. 
what you want to move towards is an all-channel network, something that is interdependent, an ecosystem that actually these things are all running in different directions and they work without something centrally controlling them. Okay. And so, what, uh, what we envision uh, at, as city to city um, and we, I'll tell you more about city to city later if there's time or questions, is a gospel ecosystem. It's a gospel ecosystem that has all of these things that work together. Now, I'm just going to make a few short comments on this picture that explains what a gospel ecosystem is. Friends, let's be clear on this. At the heart of a gospel ecosystem is not a, not a man, not an impressive personality, but the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the only thing ultimately that brings us together. Femi said it yesterday. There's just one thing that ultimately unites us, and that is the gospel. And if we have unity that isn't rooted in the gospel, we don't have real kingdom unity. Okay. But it is possible that if we lead with the gospel, that if, if we approach one another with the gospel, if we rally one another around the gospel, that it can create incredible unity. Quick story. We do this thing called gospel in the city all over the continent. And every time, we just do basic introduction to what is the gospel. Um, and each time, I, I shouldn't be surprised, but this is how I'm of small faith. Um, every time we do it, I am amazed at what it does in bringing people together. We have a room of 50 people like this together. And people come there, and you know what pastors are like. You know, what are you going to tell me? I, I know the gospel. And, and this is how the morning starts. And then halfway through the day, they all sit up straight. And later in the day, they, they all sort of grasped by, by the old, orthodox, ancient gospel of Jesus Christ. Friends, that gospel has got the ability to capture our own hearts, but what it does in the process, it draws us to one another. If I hear you actually celebrate that same gospel, proclaim that same gospel, get excited about that same gospel, it draws us to one another. One of the reasons city networks and gospel movements aren't happening is a lack of trust amongst Christian leaders. The only thing that can overcome that, friends, is if we actually start believing and, and, and understanding that we actually share the same gospel, the same Lord is, Lord, is our Lord. And so my trust towards you grows as I understand that we actually share the same gospel. So at the heart of a gospel ecosystem is the gospel. And, and, and that should go without saying, but we should say it again and again. But around the gospel, friends, the thing that the gospel creates, the gospel is not a static thing, it's a dynamic thing. And what it does is it creates life. And the way that it creates life is in producing churches. Jesus, in His wisdom, in His almighty wisdom, has structured the world in such a way that His tool, His vehicle for gospel, for, for kingdom advancement, is the local church. There's nothing else in this world that's got the same ability to do gospel, to do kingdom work, than the local church. And so what we want to see in the first place is churches not only being planted, but revitalized. Churches being replanted. Churches being re-energized. Existing churches that have maybe stagnated, that have recaptured the gospel in a fresh way. And so at the heart of a gospel ecosystem is the gospel. Around that ecosystem, the dynamo, the engine, the fuel that drives this thing is church planting and church revitalization. But friends, that is also not enough. We also need institutions and parachurch organizations and student ministries that actually do a lot of work in our cities. And those are, that, that's the outer ring. And what you need between all of these things are interactions so that they function as an ecosystem that are interdependent and helping and working towards the same goal. And so that's our vi vision of a gospel ecosystem. 
that that would exist in each of our cities on our continent. If you've got a city of 80 million people, it probably needs its, a number of these institutions and things working together. When does ecosystem get to movement? Well, of course, it's revival. We've said that already. But so ecosystem, we can, in a sense, manufacture. We can work towards that. But friends, a network of networks that becomes uncontrollable is probably where we're looking at movement. It's something that isn't of any human being or any human institution. And it's something that can't be stopped by anybody. This is the church, the underground church in China, in a sense. This is any real revival that has ever happened. It wasn't dependent on one person or one church. It is something that goes viral. Something that can't be stopped, that you can't give medicine to and say, stop it. Um, and friends, that's what we're aiming for. We want a movement that is so viral, that is so um, uh, undependent on our human abilities, and that is so interconnected that nobody can actually claim it as their own, and nobody can stop it. Nobody can stop it from actually reaching the edges of the city. And so what will it take? What will it take for us to get towards movement? So there's this concept, Malcolm Gladwell talks about it, of tipping point. I don't know whether you're familiar with it. Um, but he says an isolated event. So he's done a lot of studies on, on the kind of things where you see small things happening and nothing really changes and then eventually something happens and everything changes. What is that tipping point? Um, and he says it's isolated events or individual entities crystallize into a growing self-sustaining movement. That's the word we're looking for. When they reach a tipping point. Levels where movement dynamics for change become unstoppable. Okay, unstoppable. And that's what we want. Of course, that's what we want, isn't it? And so we, we see the word there, movement and movement dynamics. Because the question is, what are, what are the, the things that we can do? My, my hope is that you're persuaded that we need movement and not just church planting. We need a movement of church planting and church planting churches. Uh, what is it going to take that gets us there? And so what are the things that we can do as individuals and as churches. Well, I'm going to talk about movement dynamics in a second. But see that number there. So this is Gladwell and a few other sociologists and anthropologists that tells us that a tipping point that actually sees a city change is when you have 15% of people in that city really committed to something. In our case, 15% of people attending gospel-centered churches. That should be, I think, in a sense, um, you know, our the least of our prayers, isn't it, for our city? Lord, we, we, we believe that the church will always be a remnant, I think, um, in a city. But a 15% remnant, Lord, would be amazing. And 15%, friends, gets us to movement, where the, you, you actually see the city being changed and the institutions in the city actually being changed. And so think about 625. We'll get back to that in a second. But friends, 15%, that should be our prayer for Lagos, that 15% of people in Lagos on gospel-centered, gospel-preaching churches on a regular week. Movement dynamics. What brings us to that point of a tipping point? And what are the things that we can do to contribute? Um, the... Um, in, in this book of Together for the City, one of the things that they reflect on is that uh, they've, they've done something in Birmingham, um, in the UK, which is, which is a very post-Christian sort of environment um, that, uh, that, is, that has got these beginnings of a gospel movement. And, and they've identified things there that they say actually characterizes a movement, movement dynamics. 
And so number one, open membership. It ultimately isn't something that is controlled by somebody specifically. And so this is something that as long as we agree on the gospel and we proclaim the same gospel, uh, everybody is welcome at the table. It's characterized by spontaneity and organic organization. And so if you think of organizations, typically what happens, this is true for churches, this is true for denominations and networks, that eventually if you let this thing grow, it will institutionalize and eventually die. It becomes old and stagnant and stale and not able to move quickly and be agile. Okay. And so, but, but that's the one extreme. The other extreme is actually something that, um, that is so fluid that it's got no structure to it and nothing actually gets done. Okay. Movement is somewhere between those, where we have a spontaneity and organic organization, something that is really living, that is lean, and yet achieves a lot of good for the kingdom. Leadership by influence, not by command, not by control, not by personality, but by influence instead of hierarchy. Okay. And so we'll talk more about the kind of leadership that is needed at that. But, but I, th I thought what Matthew did yesterday at the end of yesterday was spot on, isn't it? It's, it's that kind of leadership. Leadership that is not in this for themselves. Leadership that are willing to die because they see this greater prize ahead. Kingdom ownership. Leaders that says it's not about my church. It's not about my denomination. It's not about my network. These people aren't my people. They're Jesus' people in any case. And so they own this vision. They really own it. But they own a kingdom vision and not just a vision for their own church. Flexibility. Not prescriptive around the way churches should look or the way church planting should look. Friends, it's going to take many different churches to reach people in a city. There are so many subcultures in this city. There are so many language groups and tribal groups in this city. And we need greater flexibility on the way we go about church planting. Scripturally, of course, according to what the Bible says a church should be, but then with a lot of flexibility on what church planting, church revitalization, church renewal looks like. Um, localism, as great as City City and Acts 29 and all of these global networks are, what we ultimately need, friends, and what, what makes these things work is a local focus, is local accountability, is local friends and leaders in my city. In, incidentally, one of, the, one of the greatest indicators of the success, the long-term long success of a church plant, and so those, those people who give money to church plants nowadays focus on this. They ask, who in your city are you connected to? Because if you're not, connect, not connected to others in your city, you don't have accountability, you don't have encouragement, support, because this is tough. And so ultimately this doesn't work. Localism is ultimately the answer. And so we need to, in a sense, be part of something global, and that's wonderful, praise God. But friends, ultimately the rest of the world can't plant churches for Lagos. Lagos, Lagosians need to do that. So localism as a network. And then finally collaboration, which is all we're talking about is real uh, fellowship around the gospel that leads to us actually collaborating at many levels. And that will look different. Um, I might not get an opportunity to say this later, but so collaboration, friends, looks differently. What we're advocating is an open membership network, but I wouldn't be as close to everybody in that network. There'd be some people that I'd be much closer with, and I would potentially give some of my people to go to that church plant. And there'd be other churches that I wouldn't be as close to. Okay. But it's different levels of collaboration that is needed that says, okay, one of, the, one of the ways I can collaborate with you is to pray. That is the greatest thing that I can do for you as my brother in the city is to pray for your church to succeed and to reach people that my church can't. And so we need to collaborate. So those are some movement dynamics. I'm going to run through a few 
of the ways in which we can see collaboration happen in the city. But friends, the first thing that we need to see happen is gospel renewal in the hearts of our leaders. We've said it, revival is ultimately from the Spirit. God needs to do something uh, spectacular. But friends, that thing first needs to happen in each of our hearts. We, we need to be broken by the gospel first and foremost. We need to be humbled by the gospel first and foremost. The gospel needs to make us generous first and foremost. The reason these things aren't happening is not because the people in your church. It's because of church leaders. Our people in our churches are very keen to collaborate with other churches. It's us. We're the problem at the best of times. And so gospel renewal needs to happen. But gospel <coughs> renewal needs to start with me as the leader of a church. Um, and so it needs to start in our hearts. Um, uh, we need a common mission. That's the glorious city of Johannesburg. Um, half of Lagos lives there at the moment. Um, <laughs> And, uh, and, and, and so we, and they plant churches actually, um, and some of them good churches as well. Um, but so we need a common mission, friends. We need to look at our city. I look at a picture like that, and I should have had a picture of Lagos up there. We need to look at our city and have a common mission. We need to hear Jesus say, go and make disciples of all Lagosians. And then we say, okay, let's do it. Let's, let's come together as the church of Jesus in Lagos. And let's do that. And, or whatever city you are from. And so we need, on the one hand, gospel renewal. Our hearts need to be changed. We need to see with new eyes a common vision of what the gospel can do. And of all the lost people around us. We need catalytic leaders. And so friends, this is interesting. I think that picture the picture well. I said it earlier. One of the critical things that would make this work is trust amongst the leaders. You see that they actually become friends. And friends, that's, that's probably what we need as leaders in our cities to actually start building relationships to the, to, towards the point where they actually become friends and trust each other at that level and then can start working together and catalyzing a movement in their city. Um, kingdom partnerships is what we need. So this is an outflow of catalytic leaders. But if you imagine each of these leaves as denominations or networks in your city, uh, or in the country. Let's say those are all denominations or networks existing in Nigeria. Methodists and Anglicans and Lutherans. I, I, I don't know whatever else is, is in existence here. Those, those small little black dots are churches in each of those denominations. What we're arguing for, friends, is a kingdom partnership that says, I don't need to leave my denomination or my network, but there's something, there's a common mission in the middle. There's a gospel year to be proclaimed to a lost people in the city. And I've got more in common with you that are on another network or in another denomination than I have with people in my denomination that are not in the city. And so we're going to come together around this common mission and vision of reaching the lost in our city for the kingdom. And so that means that we can stay where we are, but we can start collaborating with each other for the sake of gospel growth. Uh, but we, if, if that's going to work, uh, we already said it needs to be on the basis of open membership. So here's two pictures that, that makes you, that helps us to think about the way we can uh, work with others. We can work with others. We can partner with others on the basis of uh, a bounded set network or a centered set network or affiliation. A bounded set network uh, ultimately says you're in or you're out. So if you're sitting here, you'll know whether you're a Baptist or not. You know whether you're a Pentecostal or not. 
So we've got a very clear de de demarcation or delineation that shows who's in and who's out. And that's good. Certainly you need that at a lot of levels. Um, but I think what we need if we're going to see gospel movement in the city is nobody that ultimately draws a line and says you're in or you're out. But we're drawn together by the gospel in the center. Uh, we're very clear on what the gospel is and what it isn't. Um, but that gospel is the thing that ultimately holds us together. That's the thing that brings us and binds us and then again sends us out to proclaim that gospel to the edges. Movement dynamics. Listen to this. This is the guy that started Visa Corporation. So Visa, everybody now has got a Visa card somewhere in the world. Uh, that was started by this guy called D. Hock. And he had this vision for starting this company that would not be run by him as the, as, as the hierarchical lead in one place. So they never had very big offices. People were working in multiple locations across the globe. But this is what sits behind his vision. And friends, I think this is critical for us to grasp. Purpose and principle. Think about this. Purpose, this is something that the gospel gives us. Principle is the gospel, scripture. Clearly understood and articulated and commonly shared. So it must firstly be understood, but then everybody must share that or the genetic code of any healthy organization. So what he's saying is, it's imperative that everybody that is part of this thing understands that we have a common DNA. Everybody must be clear on what our purpose is and what some key principles are that we operate along. But to the degree that you hold purpose and principle in common among you, you can dispense with command and control. You see what he's saying? He's saying if people get this deep inside their hearts, you don't need to control them. They will actually do the right things because they changed from the inside out. That's what the gospel does. So he's not a Christian. But friends, I think what he's saying there is people need to be changed by the gospel first. But if you get give that to them, and you give them a common gospel vision, you don't need to control them. People will know how to behave in accordance with them, and they'll do it in a thousands of unimaginable ways, creative ways. The organization will become a vital living set of beliefs. And I think that's what we're arguing for, friends, is to, to help people understand the gospel in such a way that if we release them on a, on a Sunday and say, go, Go be God's people in the bank that you work, in the firm that you work on a Monday. They have, got imagine, they have got creative ways of actually being God's people and proclaiming the gospel to the people around them. That's movement dynamics. Sorry. And so, um, ecosystem components is the thing that we want to talk about. Friends, we need to be clear that if we're going to see this happen, church planting needs to remain the tip of the spear. So you, if you think about the ecosystem, there's lots of other things that are important, but ultimately all of that is fueled and driven by evangelism. Well, I, I thought I just said church planting. Yes, church planting is evangelism. The most effective way, friends, to evangelize a city is to plant new churches. Three times more people come to faith in new church plants than they do in existing uh, congregations, churches. Okay. That's statistics that's globally um, confirmed. And so, so we need to continue to plant churches because new church plants reach people that existing churches don't reach. And so we, if, if we're going to see this happen, we need to think about church planting as the most strategic thing that we can do. Yes, we need to do the outer circle. Yes, we need to do all of these other things. But friends, we can never for a, for a second relent on our ambition and our desire to plant churches in many different types of churches. So church planting is the tip of the spear. 
But friends, church planting is hard. I don't know how you're doing and whether you feel like you're succeeding and whether you feel like you're planting three churches a year out of your church. It, it's, it's, it's just not happening. But we can, if we collaborate, if we start working together, we can do more than we can each of us on our own. One plus one in the kingdom isn't two. It's five. Okay. And so the idea behind church planting networks is that we come together and we share some of these critical things that will make all these churches that we're seeking to plant way more healthy than if they were just dependent on me and my church. Okay. And so we're thinking about assessment and recruitment of church planters. Uh, we're thinking about training. We're thinking about prayer for these movements. We're thinking about collectively funding these movements, of building those leaders and leadership development within those congregations, building a pipeline, of coaching those leaders. We need to think about those pastors' wives because they need to be supported and encouraged. We need to think about governance and, and, and how do we actually build infrastructure around these churches. And so we need church planting networks that does recruitment and assessment, that does training. This is one of the things that we're very passionate about at uh, City to City. A large part of what we do is training people for church planting. Um, I've taken out the slides that shows the curriculum, but Timmy Dayu, Femi, uh, Emmanuel would be guys that you can speak to around what is available, even here in Lagos, uh, at that level to train church planters. Um, but we need to come together and train together. Uh, so Matthew spoke yesterday about apprenticeships. Um, and so I just want you to see this. So this is, friends, this is too much for one church to do. I, I, I'm repeating myself. But we need each other and we need to collaborate at this level. We need to go to, we spoke about student ministry this morning on the bus end. Um, we need to go and find good leaders, whether they're in local churches or in student ministries or somewhere. But then we need to actually give them something where we can assess them. And an apprenticeship is a great way, not just of training people, but it's a great way of testing the call. There are, there are, there are far too many people um, in ministry that shouldn't be in ministry because nobody actually tested their calling. They subjectively felt called, but nobody else actually affirmed the call. But there's also a lot of people who should be in ministry, but we didn't give them a platform to actually taste ministry. And so they just keep being a very good lawyer instead of actually coming and doing uh, working with us. So apprenticeship is a great way of doing that. But friends, again, me as a pastor trying, trying just to survive, just trying to get one sermon ready for Sunday, it's hard to think about those things. But if we come together and we share platforms, we can train multiple apprentices together. We can figure out theological education in our city. We don't need to send people to Cape Town to do it. We can do it in our city. And we can do a church plant, a residency. Not everybody that ultimately comes through our pipeline will end up being a church planter. Some of those guys might be very good pastors, but not necessarily good planters. And so we want to do church planter residencies for those guys that ultimately will end up planting. And so the goal is to have called and equipped church planters that goes out and multiplies churches. We need to do it in cohorts. So that's the video that we watched earlier. That was what we had earlier in the year in Pretoria. But friends, we need multiple cohorts, probably in a city of 50 million people. You need multiple training cohorts that happens in many places in the city, especially a city with traffic issues. And so we need to do it together. Coaching. I'm probably not the best guy to coach people in my church. So I send them to One. This is really actually happening. So we share an office. So the people in our church that want to plant, they stay with us for a little while. But then if they want to plant a really good church, they go to One. And he gives them the coaching uh, that they need. That's a true story. Um, it's actually happening at the moment. And that's great. Because otherwise, the temptation would be to multiply this, you know, or our church. But actually having multiple leaders in the city that actually speak into a leader's life and coaches him, 
make sure that those churches that are planted are, have got a better shot at survival and are more healthy as a result. We need to collaborate on funding. I might not have a church planter, but I might have funds that I can send to you to actually plant a church with. And friends, I want to I almost end with this. We need to collaborate around um, prayer. Um, w- one of the... Um, one of the greatest gifts that you can give to another church in your city is to just pray for that church. You know, we think about, well, what does it look like to partner and collaborate with somebody that I don't agree with? Well, is he a Christian? Is he a brother? And, uh, is she a sister in Christ? Well, then pray for that church and pray that the Lord would bless their ministry in incredible ways. This is, this is the, the number that I mentioned earlier um, that I want to show you. Um, Tipping point for Lagos. So let's, let's not say 15%. Let's say Lagos tipping point is 10%. Lagos population is going to grow by 50 million people, if you believe the UN, over the next 80 years. So if we want to reach 50 million new people, only 10% of the 50 million new people in Lagos, that means 50,000 new churches uh, of, of, that, are, that have got 100 people in them. Now, 100 people member church is a, is a great church. That's a, that's a big church in most parts of the world. How many churches per year do we need to start to get to 50,000 churches over the next 80 years? That's the number, 625 per year. That's to get us to 10% of Lagos's growing population. That's new churches. That's not existing churches. That's the number of churches we need to plant, gospel-centered churches, to just get the average Lagosian, an opportunity, friends, to be close enough to the gospel, to be in a gospel-preaching, proclaiming church. That's impossible. That is humanly impossible. And, and, and so I, my hope is that we look at that and we are overwhelmed. Um, and that we're overwhelmed to the extent that, one, we say, I can't do this. My church can't do this. My network can't do this. And so I need others around me. But friends, my hope is also that we have the same heart as Jesus. See, see what Jesus does when he looks at uh, people around him, when he looks at the crowds, when he looks at lost people like the people around us. If you drive in the taxi uh, and you see people in a taxi next to you, when you walk on the street and you see people driving past, what is it that happens to your heart as you look at, at those people? Because here's what happened to Jesus' heart. He had compassion for them. Jesus' heart bled for people who were going to hell without, without the saving message of the gospel. And he said, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. We don't have 625 church planters. Jesus knew that. Jesus knew that we would be sitting with this problem that we're sitting with in 2019. He's not surprised by that. He says the harvest is plentiful, 15 million people. The harvest is plentiful. The laborers are few. Church planters are on short supply. And so, what, what should we do? Ask the Lord of the harvest. And so, friends, if we're going to do anything about this, uh, as we collaborate, the greatest thing that we can do is to collaborate around a kingdom-centered prayer. If we come together and pray for our city and pray that the Lord not just would bless our city, but that He would bless our city by giving us church planters and giving us church planters in those sorts of numbers, so that just 10%, just 10% of our city's people can be saved. And so, I end with this, 30 years in your city. 
Friends, this is not going to happen overnight, and none of us are going to be around by 2100. I don't think so. Uh, but we can be around in 30 years. Most of us will be. And, and I, I would love for us to dream about 30 years in our city. Don't go anywhere else. And, and don't make plans for other places. Make plans for 30 years in your city. Because none of us might see movement in our lifetime. But friends, I think we can see a gospel ecosystem in our city in 30 years. It's very achievable. It's very doable. And who knows? Who knows? The Lord might just give us revival in the process on that. And so here's what this means for you if you're a church planter. If you're a church planter, you're young, and you're setting out at the moment, what this means for you is that, um, that you need to plant one church well. So I want you to hear all of these things that we're talking about, but I don't want you to take your eye off the ball. Plant one church well. Give your life to that for now. Don't forget about all of these other things. I have a heart for the rest of your city, but plant one church well. And the second phase, that's for us who are already planted, who are already ministering to a church. Start collaborating with others in your city. Start building a network of trust with other people in the city. And by the way, that's what's happening, I think, in this room as we're together. But start walking across the room and lead with the gospel. Don't lead with the areas in which you disagree. Lead with that one thing on which we agree, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then thirdly, think about multiplication. If we come together and we form a network, what should that network be about? Multiplying, planting more churches. And eventually, friends, eventually we'll get to the point of actually seeing all of these outer ring ministries formed. And so, I want to leave you with that. I want to pray. I want to pray that the Lord actually does that in Lagos. Uh, I want you to pray that for Pretoria, for Johannesburg, where we are. Uh, pray for our continent. What's happening to Lagos is happening to our continent as a whole. And, uh, and let's pray that the Lord might see revival come to our continent in a way that's this, that humanity has not seen it before.